Praise God. Open your Bible with me, if you would, to Matthew 28. Now, let's go to John 3. Let's start in John. Thank you, Lord. That's <laughs> John chapter 3. By the way, just a, a side note before I get into the message. Keep uh, me in prayer tomorrow particularly. Uh, and then uh, Sam Rohr. Tomorrow at 10 a.m., Sam and I will be speaking in the Capitol building in Harrisburg. Uh, we've we've uh, had over 20 House members invited who have, we've determined that they have confessed faith in Jesus. Now, whether or not all those 20 House members are believers or not, I'm, I'm not here to say yay or nay, but they say they are. And uh, they've been invited to this meeting. Uh, one of the members of the house, Daryl, has sponsored it and put it together. So we're going to preach Jesus tomorrow at 10 a.m. to these guys. And uh, basically our emphasis is to put some backbone in them. And uh, to let them know that the body of Christ is behind them acting righteously. Uh, so, so do keep us in prayer. Again, that's 10 o'clock tomorrow. In fact, let's pray right now. Yeah. Father, I join my faith with everyone here uh, that you would move tomorrow as supernaturally in that auditorium or chamber in the Capitol as supernaturally as you would in any sanctuary of any church. I thank you, according to Romans 13, that those men and women who've been duly elected and placed into positions of authority are, according to your word, ministers of the gospel. And Lord, I thank you that that anointing be activated upon their life and that they be bold as lions to represent righteously those who voted and elected and put them there. Anoint Sam and I to say what needs to be said and to do it in such a way that it would be received. We thank you for the manifestations of the Spirit and I expect miracles tomorrow in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you. It's going to be fun. Glory to God. People have, uh, again, a little bit off subject, but people have said, well, aren't you getting too political in your preaching and teaching? And Well, no, we're not. Uh, that, just because you preach uh, on the baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you don't preach on the Trinity. You've got to teach the whole counsel of God. You know, when I first started pastoring, uh, I came out of the Methodist church, got filled with the Holy Ghost and started pastoring. I was 20 years old. I thought I was preaching the full gospel, but I realized after a while I was just preaching the other half. I'd forgotten the first half. See, I, I was raised up where the foundations were taught and I only had about three sermons, how to get filled with the Holy Ghost, how to cast out the devil and how to lay hands on the sick. I didn't even know how to preach a good salvation message. That's the honest to God's truth. And, uh, well, I was going around to churches where people were already saved. But after a while, as people did get saved and people got filled with the Holy Ghost and we cast the devil out of them and a whole bunch of them got healed, I found out you've got to give them more than that. You've got to put foundations in their life. I was only preaching half of the gospel when I was complaining that they were only preaching half of the gospel. 
Well, now it takes a bit broader sense of maturity to preach the whole gospel. But part of that whole gospel is, is how many of you believe in the anointing? Well, I, I believe in the anointing. And, you know, for 40 years, every time I've approached the pulpit, I've asked God to anoint me and that he would speak through me. But I was walking a street sidewalk uh, in, in Kiev, Ukraine in, in uh, 2014, the Spirit of God arrested me and showed me from Matthew chapter 10 that the only scripture that gives me uh, uh, the right to claim that God's speaking through me is that when they take me and put me in front of kings and authorities. And here I'd been claiming that behind the pulpit and I'd never done it in front of kings or authorities. Boy, am I off subject, but I'm going to follow the Holy Ghost. Some of you are looking at me like a calf at a new gate. And some of you don't even know what that means. <laughs> you do. No, Matthew chapter 10 says when they take you in front of kings and authorities, don't premeditate what you're going to say. Because why? Because it's going to be the spirit of your father speaking in you. Well, now that's that's in a government setting. We we've been craving that in the in, in the church, and it's it's the promise isn't for the church. It's it's for that king that needs to hear a word from God. Amen. And I'll tell you what, I've seen it happen. And why why shouldn't we talk about that? Because there might be some young person in this crowd even here today that feels called to God to run it for, for a position in civil government. Be it, be it a county commissioner or the president of the United States. Amen. Well, in the same way, there might be a young person in here that feels called to be a missionary to Burkina Faso. And I'll tell you what, being a senator would be a whole lot easier. But God calls us all, doesn't he? And as pastors and as ministers, we gotta, we got to recognize if we can be mature enough to say, okay, I'm full gospel, that means I preach the power and I preach healing for all and I preach cast out devils and I preach speaking in tongues. Oh, wait a minute, I'm full gospel. I, that means i got to go back and remember how to preach on the Trinity and the attributes of God and the justice of God and i got to preach on, on the church and the authority of the church and, and you gotta, you got to get the whole council. Well, part of that council is they're going to pull you in front of kings and all that are in authority, and you better be prepared to speak the word of God with power. You might end up in Egypt talking to members of the parliament and speaking the word of God to Muslims who will admit you're speaking wisdom. And some of them got more common sense than people in our Congress. Amen. I sat in a room... <clears throat> In a very wealthy house, and just well, just across the river from Washington D.C., and uh, a woman's house. She was the wife of a former senator who'd passed on, and she's what you call a gray cardinal. In other words, she doesn't have any position, but she can pick up a phone and talk to just about anybody, and get them to do just about anything. And very wealthy, and I'm sitting in her library in this beautiful leather chair that's probably more valuable than all my furniture and and I'm looking at her and and then a, a, just a little bit of cross another chair is another gentleman I won't even tell you who he was and and they're asking me things about events and current events you know people want to know what preachers have to say 
still amazes me. And she asked me a pretty complicated question. And while she's asking it, my mind is saying, I don't know how to answer that. But I don't premeditate. I haven't for seven years. And it bubbled out of me. It bubbled up out of me just like it bubbles up out of Gary on any broadcast when he talks about the Holy Ghost. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Gary? Because the Holy Ghost is in us. And he's got all the wisdom. And, and the answer bubbled up out of me. Well, I should add to this, it bubbled up out of me the second time because it had already bubbled up out of me in a letter that was put on the desk of the president of Ukraine. That got me into trouble. And uh, so this thing bubbled up out of me and I said it. And when I said it, man, am I off subject. When I said it, her eyes and his eyes at the same time went like that. You know when you hit them. Because sometimes your eyes does, does it too. I mean, their eyes just popped, both of them. And I thought it was a little bit odd because, okay, what I said was what I said, but I didn't see why what I said would make, bring that reaction. To me, there was a disconnect. And it's as though she was out of breath. And I just shut up. And she wouldn't take her eyes off of me. And she said, she said, the director of the CIA was sitting in that same chair last night. And I asked him the same question, said exactly the same thing you did. Well, no, he didn't. The Holy Ghost did. And I imagine it's the same Holy Ghost in him as it was the Holy Ghost in me. And if it wasn't the same Holy Ghost in him, it certainly was, the Holy Ghost was certainly there listening. Amen? Well, now, how do you get there to where the Holy Spirit will flow in your life? Because that's what we're after, isn't it? And I want to I make you hungry that you, you ought to walk in the Spirit like that too. Don't you ever leave a service thinking that's just him or that's just her or that's just how God deals with them. God wants to distribute to us all the, the gifts of the Spirit and manifestations of the Spirit as he wills and, and severally, that's, that means more than one. God wants you to walk in power, pastor supernaturally and be led by his Spirit. Amen. To where it scares your wife. Amen. Yeah, she's already scared. Okay. I really, really f sense that we have to return to basic principles. And where God took me was to this principle of discipleship. When I begin to look at how God took Peter and all the disciples who were, as the Sanhedrin said, ignorant and unlearned men. Now, there wasn't, they weren't being uh, derogatory. All right? Ignorant means a lack of knowledge. Unlearned means they didn't go to a university or a school. All right? And back then, of course, as you know, in Israel at the day, 2% of the, the, the population had 90-some had percent of the wealth. So, yeah, they were fishermen, but they, they didn't have a library of books back at their house. They, they probably did not know how to write. 
Amen? Why? Because they were ignorant and unlearned men. But as we look at the book of Acts, these ignorant and unlearned men got filled with the Holy Ghost. And they, they, they had these manifestations of power. And they began to walk in the authority of the name of Jesus. And, and Peter, who was obviously a Pentecostal, he comes up to this crippled and says, silver and gold have I none. Obviously Pentecostal. Or I don't know, maybe he was from YWAM. <laughs> but what I have, I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Amen? And the guy was healed. And he went dancing and skipping through the, 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 the temple. Amen? Why? Because of the power of the Holy Ghost. Yes, but... This is where God brought me about eight days ago. And the Lord showed me, you can never, and get this phrase, because this is the phrase of the whole week. You can never overestimate the power of the Holy Spirit. But you have underestimated the power of discipleship. Because as you read in the book of Acts, when they gathered these disciples up and put them in front of the Sanhedrin, they knew about all these miracles. They knew about all this power. But what does it say? It says in Acts chapter 4 that the Sanhedrin took notice of these men that they were unlearned, they were ignorant, but they had been with Jesus. And we saw last night in Mark's gospel that Jesus prayed all night long and he chose those men as his disciples with what qualification or with, with what purpose that they would be with him. That connection, that, that familial relationship, that spending time together, that iron sharpening iron, that countenance of a friend sharpening the countenance of another, that's discipleship. And that discipleship is what brought Peter to the place, I believe, fully, that discipleship brought Peter to the place where he could place his faith in the name of Jesus because he'd seen it done before. And this is important. I, I know when I started in ministry, people ask me, when did you enter the ministry? Well, like when I got saved. I never had a demarcation line. I, I, I just was there. And... Uh, I started to follow people that were getting results. I said, I started following people that were getting results. You see, Hebrews 6, 12. I know you're in John 3, 16, but I'm everywhere else. In Hebrews 6, 12, it says, Be a follower of those who through faith and patience... Inherit the promises. Now, for years I used to preach faith plus patience equals an answer. Until I was in a room in Washington, D.C., I don't know, 30 years ago. 
And all of these evangelicals and Episcopalians and Methodists and Catholics had asked me to teach them in this little house church right three blocks from the Capitol building. And uh, I didn't belong there. I mean, they introduced me to some of these. They're all rich folks. They were, they were the, the funding for a discipleship movement in D.C. And uh, they're in this little group called the Brothers. And, and they introduced me in the circle. And here this guy was the uh, uh, best friend of uh, uh, Francis Schaeffer. And then this guy is uh, Art Lindsley. He's the head of the C.S. Lewis Institute. And this guy was the top scientist of the Star Wars Project. I mean, they're introducing me to these people and I'm just getting like lower and lower. I mean, I don't have degrees after my, there's no degree after redneck. <laughs> and, and the PhD, the post hole digger, you're proud of that. I would, I seriously, I was so out of my element, I was scared. I literally went on the fire escape and there was, you know, I saw I could drop down into the alley and I thought about it. I was out on this fire escape praying, what on earth? And that was one of them times God did not give me a sermon. I didn't like it. And I went back in there because they're not spirit-filled people, literally. I mean, they're Catholics and Episcopalians and Methodists and all these other, you know, probably a Mennonite hiding in there. I don't know. And... I didn't have a message, and I went in there, and here, here, here come this girl with a guitar. And she looked at me, and I looked at her, and she smiled, and she leaned in, and she said, Are you Holy Ghost? <laughs> I said, Yeah. So I, I knew there was two of us. So she, she, she led us in worship. The Spirit of God came on me, and Hebrews 6.12 flooded my spirit. So I stood up, and the first thing I said was, if you want to be healed, stop following women in wheelchairs. Yeah. It, it got about as quiet as that. <laughs> and so then I read Hebrews six twelve, Be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And then I saw it. I had never seen it until I preached it. That verse does not tell you about faith and patience. That verse tells you who to follow. And you're following the wrong people. You want to follow people who are getting results. You want to learn how to pray? Find out people who are getting answers to prayer and don't leave them alone. You want to learn how to pray for the sick? Find out people who are praying for the sick and seeing miracles and don't leave them alone. It's pretty simple, isn't it? It'll also help you in the sales world. <laughs> Nobody in the sales world is going to hang around salesmen that don't get sales. You're going to hang around salesmen that make sales. Why, why would you want to learn soul winning from people that have never led anybody to Jesus? Right? So here, here I was. I was uh, 16 years old and... and the, the, some I know everyone, a lot of you anyway, know my story. But the, my mother threw out her back, and she was in a lot of pain. She, she, uh, the, the doctors said there's nothing they could do, just learn to live with pain. And this Catholic charismatic, Gene Olin, came to the house and laid hands on her, and God healed her. We had a healing in the house. 
And then, I mean, she was so liberated, she started going to a Catholic charismatic prayer group and got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. What they call it, Cresile or something like that. So here's my Methodist mother going to a Catholic charismatic prayer group and got filled with the Holy Ghost and believes in healing and, and, and obviously has gotten into some kind of a cult because she's playing this guy from Texas named Kenneth Copeland on the TV every Sunday morning as loud as she could, obviously to irritate Dale and wake him up. And she just jumped in. Well, this Gene Olin would come by every once in a while. And I thought he's as weird as could be because he was. <laughs> Honest. And if he's here, I'd, t- I'd say everything exactly as I am. I love him. But he's weird. Now, the problem is I've become a little bit my own. And, uh, but Gene, was, he's still a Catholic. Gene, Gene would started hanging around, and we'd go to different church services or whatnot, and he'd be there, and I'd, he kind of scared me. And, but one night, again, I'm 16 years old. He calls me on the phone. It's 11 o'clock at night. He says, I just finished listening to a cassette by Kenneth Hagin. Well, I think I gave it to him, actually, because my mom and I joined a tape lending library. You all don't know how easy you got it. You can go online and listen to the Word of God 24-7. We, I, had to, I had to join a tape lending library. It was out of California. You'd send them money and they'd send you four tapes. And then when you were done listening, you'd send them back. I joined ten times. No kidding. So I got got all those tapes every month. And so my mom went and bought a tape duplicator. We were duplicating 40 tapes a month and handing them out to people. Amen. That's what you do when you want to spread the word of God. And we had this tape from Kenneth Hagin where he gave the testimony of how he wondered what would happen if you prayed an hour in tongues. And he prayed an hour in tongues, and when he was done, the devil told him, you just wasted an hour of your time. And he said, not so, Mr. Devil, and just to prove you wrong, I'm going to pray two more hours in tongues. So he ended up praying three hours in tongues, and when he was done, the devil came and sat on his shoulder and said, you just wasted three hours. He said, not so, devil, I'm going to pray three more, and six total. And he went and prayed three more hours. How many of you remember that story? So that was the tape that Gene listened to. And he calls me up and he's all excited because I'd already listened to it. I gave it to him. And he says, he says, I just had an idea. How, how about you and I go to the basement of the Catholic Church in Union City? It's about 30 minutes away from where I live. We'll go into the basement of the Catholic Church. I happen to know it's unlocked. <laughs> and we'll go into the basement at six in the morning. And we'll start praying in tongues at six in the morning and we'll pray till noon. What do you think? Doesn't that sound like fun? <laughs> and now I'm 16 and dumb enough to think that sounds like fun. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, he, I, I guess, shall I meet you there? Well, why don't you drive up tonight? And, you, you know, he, he lived like two blocks from the Catholic Church. He said, why don't you drive up tonight? You can sleep at my house. And then we'll just walk over in the morning, you know, about 530. But we'll be in prayer by six. I said, okay, I'll drive up. You know, here it's 11 o'clock at night already. So I go out and get in a car. 
and I drive up there, you know, thinking I got to get a few hours sleep. I never been to his house. I didn't know he had didn't have a guest room. I, I, I didn't know he hardly had anything. I didn't know he had a single bed and I'd be sleeping with some guy 20 years my elder. <laughs> and I didn't know he didn't plan on sleeping. I mean, we laid down to get a couple hours of sleep, and I just kind of closed my eyes thinking, you know, I'm going to get a little bit of sleep. And all of a sudden, he'd sit up in bed. Glory, glory. Glory, glory. And he'd get out of bed and walk around the room praying. I don't know why he waited till 6 in the morning. I didn't sleep at all that night. He'd come back to bed. I'd try to get to sleep, and he'd be bouncing up. And I know, and y'all know I'm not lying because we had him as a guest and he stayed at Larry and Karen's and they haven't slept since. He, so, so after this up and down, up and down and him praising the Lord and worshiping the Lord and I'm, and I'm just watching him because I never saw this before. See, you've got to, if you... When you see it, you get a model, you get a pattern, and then you're able to release your faith. But if you've never seen it before, see, you've, you're not in the place Matthew and, 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 and all the other disciples are because they watched Peter get on the water. See, we read about it, but, but Peter modeled it, and, and they saw it. That puts you at a different place. So we went there, and I thought it'd be fun. It took me 15 minutes to realize I was stupid. You pray 15 minutes in tongues on your knees in the dark in the basement of a Catholic church. You think it's been five hours. And your mouth goes dry. And about every 20 minutes, the furnace kicks on and nearly scares the tar out of you. And we're on our knees because you've got to be religious because he's Catholic. And we stayed on our knees for six hours, and I prayed in tongues for six hours. And, and I get up off of my knees because now I've got to drive to work before I'm late. And I le- left, and Gene had a, has a favorite phrase. He'll always ask you, where you at? Where you at? What's the Lord showing you? Where you at? And he'd, he'd ask me, where you at? Where you at? What's the Lord showing you? Where you at? I'm like, nowhere. I didn't get nothing. I prayed in tongues for six hours. I didn't get nothing. And I get in the car and I'm driving to work. I haven't slept. I am tired. And now I got to take a full shift. And my dad's going to be watching. I got to, you know, live up to that standard. And that's not easy. And, and I'm driving 30 minutes to another town called Titusville. And I realize the entire 30 minutes I'm speaking in tongues. It's still coming out. I don't even want it to come out. It's coming out. I realized I had hit something I didn't know it existed. And now you might all look at me squirrely. But that's what discipleship will do. I didn't know I was being discipled, and I don't think Gene knew he was discipling me. But that hooked me. I wanted to spend more time with that guy. So I did. And I'd follow him around. I heard he'd be somewhere. I'd show up. 
I, 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 he went to a wedding one time, so I went. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And while we're standing in line ready to get cake, he was praying for a guy with a heart problem, and, the guy, and God laid him right out on the floor, slain in the spirit. I, don't, I mean, he prayed for people and they'd fall out under the power. There wasn't any pushing going on. God would show up. People have always asked me, how come you lay hands on people and they fall down? It's simple because they can't stand up. And anything else other than that, I don't want a part of it. And I, I, I went and especially fun to follow Gene. We would go to these conferences and he'd sit in the back. He never would sit up front because he said all, the back's where all the fun's at because all the holy people go forward. The people with problems are the ones that sit in the back. What you all looking at each other for? <laughs> and I'd follow him around and he'd just, he'd just look and he's like a little radar. And he'd see somebody and he'd just walk up real gently. Say, can I pray for you? And I saw so many miracles just following him around. I didn't, I didn't know how to do what he was doing, but after a while, you see him do it five or six times, you develop a level of confidence. That's why I believe Peter was able to say, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. Because he'd spent three years watching it. Well, he'd already done some of it himself, because Jesus had delegated it and sent him out. But you have to have a model, you have to have a pattern, and this next generation has to be able to say, I've seen it. And we got to dis- demonstrate it, and we got to display it, and we got to show this young generation that Jesus is still alive and that the power of God is still available. But you're not going to show them that by focusing on the power. We've got to back up a little bit and grab the whole gospel and say, it's time to disciple. Amen. It's time to say, Lord, where's my man? I shared last night how this... Rex Phillips began to pray and ask God, give me a man to disciple. And there I was. The Lord said, disciple Dale Armstrong. And Rex said, get thee behind me, devil. I don't want to waste my time. You know, he's not serving God. He's, He's a troublemaker. And I was. But God knew he and I were going to intersect. And I gave my life to the Lord. And, and I, got, I got right with God. And Rex didn't even know it happened. By the time he came out to my house and challenged me with a little booklet called Born to Reproduce. And he said, I'd like to enter into a discipleship relationship, but only if you'll guarantee that after we're done, uh, that you're going to find somebody else and disciple somebody else. I said, uh, after a while, I mean, to me it was all new, and I didn't understand half of the words he used. Right? But But I said, I'm in. So then he said, well, just, just come over to my house. You drive by my house on the way to school. Just stop by and we'll, we'll read the Bible together. You tell me you can't do that to somebody? This doesn't take a whole lot of, of, of effort, does it? Can't you read the Bible with somebody? Amen. Come on. I took a picture. The Holy Ghost took a picture of everybody raised their hand last night. You're going to disciple someone. Why? Because your life is valuable and God's put things in you that need to be conveyed to the next generation. And it's not going to happen if you don't one by one impart it to them. Amen. Because you'll learn. And, and, and so there's two sides to discipleship. There's those that, that, that are, are discipling 
and the, 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 the New Testament calls him the teacher or the master, Jesus said it's enough for the disciple that he be as his master. Now, if you look into the Greek, it's enough for the disciple that he be as his master. That's in Matthew 10. What it means is, you know it's over when the disciple comes to the level of the master. In other words, if I have something to teach you, we know it's done when you've learned it and you can do it. One of the things about discipleship is that it's, 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 it has different facets. You need to disciple someone who just got saved. But sometimes you need to disciple someone just to help them pastor. Sometimes you need to disciple someone to help them learn how to give the counsel of God as they pastor. Sometimes you need to disciple someone on their first mission trip. Sometimes you need to disciple someone just, just so they got the boldness to cast the devil out. Amen? I mean, many times discipleship isn't a, a one-answer issue. Sometimes you, you, you can be, I'm telling you right now, I was in the ministry how many years, and I met Christopher along. I, I, knew, I knew immediately when, when God put us together, first of all, it was supernatural. And you need to recognize that. Learn that when God puts relationships in your life, and there's something in your spirit that that's a special relationship, honor it. Honor that relationship. And because God wants to either use you to bless them, which should always be your mindset, or they got something to teach you. And generally that's been the case. Often it's a two-way street. Is there anybody in here you've learned something raising your kids? Amen, right? It's a two-way street. You raise, you raise those little rascals. And, and you learn you don't have as much patience as you thought. And any grandparents in here, you realize that patience can run thin. I used to have more patience for little kids. Where'd it go? Did they always make those squeals? I don't remember all that drama. Hello? Right? So, so I mean, I met... I met Christopher Alam, I'm already pastoring. I'm already, you know, at a certain level of ministry or proficiency in ministry. But, but God will put somebody else into your life and you sense that connection. Man, I, 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 I'm going to watch every move he makes. I'm going to listen to him when he talks. I, I'm going to take notes. I, I, I'm going to pay attention and give respect. Why? Because I, I want truth. But not only do I want truth, I want it modeled. Amen. It amazes me how we chase after fluff and flash in the pan and we ignore reality just because it doesn't look good. See, I, I, I had a hard time. I'm going to be honest. I followed Gene around in part because there wasn't anybody else. I wanted... I mean, I don't understand why, but I, I, I just don't understand why Kenneth Hagin didn't disciple me. Probably one good reason is he didn't know I existed. But see, we want the best. You know, I'd get before God. I just don't understand why Kenneth Copeland doesn't call me. Apart from the fact he doesn't know I exist. Well, he does now. But, uh, right? See, we have this idea that we're going to meet Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> Some of you know 
The rest of you, never mind. We, we have this romantic idea that we're going to be discipled, and it's some glamorous thing. You don't get to choose your father. Everybody in here has a father. I don't care how sexually confused you are. You came from a father. And that's, that's, that's who God put in your life. And God put Gene Olin in my life. And it took me too long to learn to respect what God had put in my life. So when I finally broke through and saw, this guy's walking in power. It doesn't bother me that he's unkempt or he, he doesn't look cool or he doesn't do this or he doesn't do that or nobody. Oh, he doesn't have a huge crowd. But he lays hands on people and they fall down and they jump up screaming that it's gone, it's gone. That's the guy I started following. And I didn't understand him. And I began to see small things. This is the amazing thing, Josh, is, is the things that I really remember were really small. Because if I had to immediately say, tell me a Gene Owens story, I would tell you how we were driving down the road and we drove by a barn fire. And I'm driving, because he didn't have a car. And I'm driving, and I'm rubbernecking. You ever rubberneck a, a fire or a car accident? I am rubbernecking a barn fire. And as I got closer, he, my head's turning. He comes into my field of vision, and he's sitting there with tears streaming down his face, praying. And I never thought about praying. Never entered my mind. And it just scarred me. It changed me. Terry mentioned it the other day. I hear an ambulance and I go to praying. You want to know why? Not because I read anything in the scripture, but because he modeled it in front of me and it scarred me. I remember we were in a cafeteria at a conference. And there was a girl walked by. We were sitting at the table with our trays. We, it was at a, a university. So we had our little trays with our food on it. And I'm sitting next to Jean. And a girl walked by and she was obviously crying. And I just kind of looked up and looked at her. And I looked over and Jean's got his eyes closed, his head down and tears coming off of his cheeks praying. The man responded. He didn't need somebody to give him a prayer request. He, all he, ha he had two eyes, and those two eyes saw prayer requests. And it changed. See, that's discipleship. It's not in a textbook. It's not in a curriculum. It, what is it? I was with him. That's all. See, and I want to be with those that through faith and patience are inheriting the promises. I mean, Gene, he was the announcer, a radio announcer for WCTL, WCTL in Union City. And he was a cool one because somebody would preach false doctrine and he'd get in, you know, it's a tape. He'd put it on pause and get in there and correct him. <laughs> he, he just didn't have any inhibitions. And one time... He's playing a tape, and uh, uh, CBN uh, uh, is advertising a singles conference. So he plays this tape for this singles conference down at, in Virginia Beach. 
Now, he's in northern Pennsylvania, and, he, and, he's, and he's single. And he plays this tape that announces that, and the Spirit of God, while the advertisement's going on, the Spirit of God says, I want you to go there. Well, he doesn't have a car, so he, he clicks the button, and it's over. His, his shift is over, and he stands up, and the manager says, good night, Gene. And Gene says, good night, I'm going to Virginia. So he walks out, which is a couple blocks to his house, but he walks out to the road and sticks his thumb out. He doesn't, he doesn't even pack a bag. God said, go. Sticks his thumb out. The first car stops, rolls the window down, says, where are you going, buddy? He says, well, I'm going to Virginia Beach. And they all start laughing. Are you kidding me? So are we. Get in. First car took him to Virginia Beach right to the hotel. Oh, it gets better. He goes into the hotel. He doesn't have money for registration. He walks up to the counter to register for a singles conference. And they said, what's your, what's your name? And they said, sir, we can't find your, reg- your registration or your reservation. He says, oh, I don't have one. The Lord just told me to come. And they looked at him. And they said, well, uh, you know, we're booked. There's no more room. And Jean said, well, the Lord told me to come. And she looks at him and says, there's no room. He said, but the Lord told me to come. But there's no room. So he went in the lobby and he just stood in the lobby. Because God said, come, right? This is the guy I'm following around. I wasn't there. So he's standing in the lobby and this man comes up to him with a manila envelope and keys and he says, sir, at the counter, they just told me that you don't have a room. He said, I, we just sat, you know, we just had a death in the family and I got to fly back home. Uh, here, here's, here's the packet and here's the keys. Everything's paid for. Bye. I want to follow that kind of guy. And you can say, yeah, but how come he looks this way? Well, I don't care. How come he smells this way? I don't care. How come he talks this way? I don't care. Because what I want to know is if God talks to him, he's safe. Amen? And, and he did so many amazing things like that out of his obedience that it stretched me. And I like that. I don't think you can get that out of a book. But what you get in the book makes sense when you see it displayed. Right? I know the powerful time when he called me and said, can you drive me to the bus station in Pittsburgh? And I said, sure. So I drove him two hours. I'd never been to Pittsburgh. I'm about 17 at this time. And driving into the big city was a big deal. And uh, I get it close to the city and I said to him, uh, how do you get there? You know, do, do you, you got directions? You got a map? And uh, he said, I don't know where it is. <laughs> and I looked at him and I made one of the few mistakes I've made when I was with him. I said, well, next gas station, I'll stop and ask for directions. And he looked at me when I said that. He looked at me like I was a bug. There was so much disgust in his face. And he, and, he, and he looked at me and he said, we can pray. 
And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm new to this. I've been maybe a year. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah. Oh, right. We can pray. Sure. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. We can pray. We don't have to stop. Besides, I'm a man. I didn't say that part. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, okay. And he goes to praying in tongues, and I sort of pray. And we'd come up to a, an intersection, and he'd say, turn right. And so I'd turn right. We'd come up to an intersection. He'd say, go straight, go left, whatever. He's just giving me orders, praying in tongues. Now, some of you have been to Pittsburgh. We drove right to the... Uh, one time, he, he said, no, no, wrong way, turn around. One time. And we drove right to the bus station. And I'm sitting there in the, with him, and he's getting out and getting his luggage, and I'm just sitting there thinking, what kind of world is this? <laughs> this just happened, and I watched it. it I saw it happen. And then he left, and, and like, I know everybody laughs, but it's the truth. It took me two hours to get out of Pittsburgh. I got so lost. I couldn't get out of the town. I'm praying in tongues and crying. I couldn't get home. But I saw it. I saw it, and I wanted it. That guy's nuts. So some years later, the Lord told me to go to a missions conference in Virginia Beach. And uh, I had the address and everything on my desk. This was before cell phones. And I left the house and left the address in the office. Stupid me. Some brochure or something. And, and so there was a hotel at one place where I was staying. And the place where the conference was somewhere else... And I ain't got the address for either. But I know sort of the name of the hotel, and that's it. So I'm driving, I get close to Virginia Beach, actually between Richmond and Virginia Beach, and I'm thinking, well, I'll just pull over at a rest stop or something, and I'll call my wife, and then she can go to the office, drive down 10 minutes to the office, and wait there, and then I'll call again, and she can give me the information over the phone. That's, that'll be easy, I can fix it. And then I can write down where the address is. And that's how you used to do it, right? Some of you younger people don't even know what I'm talking about because you got Google. But I ain't going to find a place without that address. I ain't never been there before. I don't even remember the name of the conference place. And uh, so I'm thinking, yeah, I'll just, I come up to this rest stop. I'm going to pull over and, and, and call Terry. And when I'm getting ready to pull over, I saw Gene's face. Looking at me like I'm a bug. We can pray. And I'm driving, and, and honest to God, there's that moment. you got to decide. And I'm like, we can pray. I mean, what do I got to lose? See, you need to practice the Holy Ghost. But I never would have done that. And let's be honest. I never would have done it if I hadn't seen it. And quite honestly, you might go out and try to do it because you heard it. 
but you only heard it. I saw it. Turn with me to Philippians 4. Let me show you something. Yeah, I haven't even gone to the scriptures I said, but this time I'll go. Verse 9. Those things, Philippians 4, verse 9. Those things which you have both learned, say one. And received, say two. And heard, say three. And seeing in me do. So a lot of times we see it, but that ain't enough. A lot of times we read about it. That ain't enough. Sometimes we hear it. That ain't enough. But when you have a discipleship relationship, you get it reinforced. I saw him pray and make decisions and drive right to the bus station. And it gives you confidence. So I began to pray in tongues, and I'm scared out of my mind. How do you do this? And I prayed, and I'm coming into Virginia Beach, and there's all these exits coming up. Which one am I going to take? It, it, you know, and I came in this one exit, and, you're, and you check your spirit. No, that's not it. And I kept driving, and I, and I come to another exit, and my spirit says, this one. And I drove off the exit. But now you got more choices. You praying in tongues? No, no. Yeah, that way. I drove right up to my hotel. And I'm sitting in the parking lot, worshiping Jesus, looking at the sign, knowing I'm right. God did that. God did that. But I'm telling you right now, you won't do it without discipleship. See, you can never overestimate the power of the Holy Ghost, but you can underestimate discipleship. Start following people who are getting results. If you want to learn how to pray, find out who's getting answers to prayer and don't leave them alone. See, there's two sides to discipleship. I had to choose to follow him. It wasn't always easy. It was inconvenience. He didn't chase me around. I chased him around. But I'll tell you what, as the years have gone by, I've done it three, four, five, six times now. I've gone two different countries to rescue people where other people couldn't find them. I was telling Sharon, if the Spirit of God's behind it and you pulled out a name that said John Doe in Portugal, I just know I could get on a plane and fly there and find them. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, you, after a while, you learn how to do it. Because you saw it modeled, and you do it again and again, you get proficient at it. Walking in the supernatural is just like walking in the rain. The Holy Ghost wants to pour forth through people who have been disciplined to follow, hear His voice, and obey Him, and give the command of faith and say, Hey, buddy, I ain't got any money, but I do got something. I got the name of Jesus, and you're coming up. Amen? And so as we... Decide to model. What happens is multiplication. We get that into that double anointing area. Dear Lord, I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of reading a book like Smith Wigglesworth and saying, how come it ain't like it used to be? I'll tell you how come it ain't like it used to be because nobody discipled and passed the baton. Because when you get to the place where you pass the baton, it can be double. Amen? David, we need double what you were. 
Gary, we need double what you were. And we've got things to give to this next generation to double it up. Amen. Richard, there's young people that need twice what you have. And you got it in them to give it. Hallelujah. We were born to reproduce. Born to reproduce. It begins with respect for what the Spirit of God is doing in others. Even when you don't think they're the famous ones. Amen. Some of the greatest men of God, women of God, wouldn't look pretty on television. Boy, I'm telling you what, they're beautiful in the presence of the Lord. Their faith is real. Amen. Well, I know you're waiting. Let's go to John 3.16. Instead of starting, we'll close. I want you to read John 3.16 like you've never read it before. Quit sinning the sin of familiarity. Because God is still in love with the world. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. I actually was with Christopher Alam when the Lord showed me John 3.16 in a way I'd never seen before when he told me to teach a room full of Bible students who did not understand John 3.16. And I said, Lord, maybe I don't understand it. And he showed me what I'd never saw before is that if God so loved the world, he gave Jesus your goose is cooked. Because if he so loved the world that he gave Jesus, who do you think you are that he won't give you? If he so loved the world that he gave Jesus, do you think you're so special that he's going to hold you back and give you a free ride? If he so loved the world that he gave his most precious son, do you, do you really think he's going to just let you live through your life and get all the blessings of the gospel and not make any of the sacrifices? If he so loved the world that he gave Jesus, do, do, do you really think he's going to let you live that quiet life behind that white picket fence and go to work and come home and watch ESPN and just make it through life and, and be, be blessed and be happy and oh, glory to God. If he so loved the world that he gave Jesus, I'm telling you right now, you better be prepared that he wants to give you. If he so wanted to give Jesus, he so wants to give you. It's not just that he... I spent the last eight years, 70% of my time in Ukraine. Alex and my wife probably know more than others. It's the hardest seven years of my life. About three years into it, I was ready to break. And the Spirit of God came to me. And you know what he said? He said, I never wanted this for you. But I have always wanted you for them. 
If God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, he is willing to send you. He's willing to use you. He's willing to pour you out. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because if Jesus could walk up Golgotha with joy, so can I. If Jesus could endure such contradiction of sinners against himself, so can I. If God is willing to give Jesus, then he's willing to give you, then he's willing to put his authority and his power behind you and sustain you and train you and equip you. It starts with discipleship. Jesus prayed all night before he chose 12 men. Think it was that hard of a decision to make? I think he knew who he was going to choose. I think he prayed all night long because he knew he was calling 12 men to come and die. And they did. And they did. We've got choices to make in recognizing that the gift that was given is reflected in us. And I was given a gift. I'm not going to work it off. And I fail in this message if you leave here saying, oh, I owe God a debt and I'm going to work for the rest of my life to pay off my debt. That, that's not how it works. But I succeed in this message if you leave this room saying, it's the love of God in me. That what it was in God that sent Jesus, that, that same spirit that was in him is in me. And we're going to get this done because I'm participating with the love that my father has. Because I love the world too. Amen. There was more than the faith of Abraham at work up there when Abraham lifted that knife. Isaac submitted. And God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. But you know why did Jesus come? The Bible says that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. But the book of Ephesians says Jesus came because he loved the church. Glory to God. Here's where it happens. The sower sows the seed. He sows the seed on the different types of ground. The parable tells us that the different types of ground are different types of heart. But that seed gets into your heart. That seed has gotten into your heart. That seed is growing in your heart. But if you're in Matthew's Gospel, just read on half a chapter. And Jesus tells the same parable again. That good man sows the seed. He sows it into the field. But he translates the same parable a different way. In the first parable, the seed's the Word of God and the ground is your heart. In the second parable... You're the seed. And the field is the world. See, God puts His Word in the innermost part of your heart. And once that seed germinates, you're ready to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen? We participate in this. But we're not going to get there without modeling it. Now, saying all of that, I'm going to just be really bold. There might be a few people in here that need discipled, but I doubt it. You underestimate your maturity in Jesus. 
If I took you with me to just about any country other than America and put you down next to a pastor, that pastor would be pulling on you to learn everything you've got since you were in children's church. Don't underestimate. You can't overestimate the Holy Spirit, but don't underestimate who you are. I'm not looking for you to find someone to disciple you. I'm charging you in Jesus' name. You got more than you know it's time to give. It's time to multiply. It's time to find a man. If you're a man, you pray and ask God for a man. If you're a woman, you pray and ask God for a woman. If you don't know what you are, you don't pray. <laughs> yeah, you pray for deliverance. We, we, we brought it up to this point last night, I know, and almost everybody in this room raised their hand and said, I want to disciple someone. We're going to continue throughout this week until you're so, you're so passionate about this, you're going to find that the treasures God has placed in you need to be multiplied. Don't take them to the grave. Don't take them to the grave. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet. Say this with me, Heavenly Father. I have something to give. You've given to me. I have something to give. Father, you've offered Jesus for me. I have something to offer you. I know I'm a treasure in your sight. You've entrusted your promises to me. You've so blessed me. You saved me. You have filled me with your spirit. You have healed me. My life is running over with testimony. My life is an example of the gospel blessings. I'd be here all night, Father, talking of what you've done in me. Now help me, Lord, to pass it on. Bring me to the people who need to receive what you've planted in my heart. You put your word in my heart. Now put me as a seed in your world. I'm believing right now that you're causing relationships to come to pass. Connections will be made. You'll waken me in the morning and you'll fill my ear with what I ought to say. And my mouth will be full of the Word of God spoken at the right moment, at the right time, to the right people to produce a fruitful harvest in the name of Jesus. And I believe it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now turn around and tell your neighbor, I'm going to do it. I'm going to disciple. I make disciples. 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 Turn and tell your neighbor, I make disciples. I make disciples. I make disciples. That's what I am. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Well, we're going to follow him. We're going to get into that. Amen. Well, praise God. That's what I had for you tonight. So live generously. Be blessed. 
love on one another as you go. Any of you men have something? If you don't, I'm, I'm empty. I feel like I, I, I probably preached too. No, look at that. 905. Miracle. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, amen. One way we love God is by loving one another. Do bless one another. Let's, let's, uh, let's be family. Check everybody out. Make sure everybody's got gas in their car and food in their refrigerator. Place to sleep. Money in their pocket. Let's take care of one another. Listen, tomorrow night, folks, don't miss it. Seven o'clock, we're going to have a night of worship. Tomorrow is our special night of worship. Drag folks out. The power of God is going to be heavy. Woo! Glory to God. Don't want to miss tomorrow night. You know the Spirit of God's been all over you? This is your week, my friend. Both of you. I believe that. I really do. Amen. None of us will get blessed, but you will. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Shaking the nations in Jesus' name. Look at all them flags. Glory to God. That's you. You've been all over the place. You know, I was sharing last night, the Lord told me to, Bob and I were praying and fasting, and the Lord spoke to me, it was 1987, and the Lord said, call it Church of the Word International, because you will have to keep the world first. And I made that public, and I got my first hate mail. Seriously, I mean, it was a seven, I'm sure I still have it, because it's so funny. Uh, It was about seven pages of handwritten from a, a retired missionary wanted to know where, where I had the right to put international on my name when I'd never been anywhere. Which is true, I hadn't. I'd never, I hadn't even left Pennsylvania. I mean, leaving Titusville was a big deal. We weren't sure Sharon was ever going to get out of Hightown. But yeah, this, this, uh, this well, it was a lady and she was just all upset that I would say international because I didn't understand missions. And I, every once in a while, I look around and see all these flags, and I just chuckle. It's called vision, isn't it? It's, it's called what the Lord wants. Amen. How many of you know there's still a lot that haven't heard? There's still a lot of places where the gospel hasn't been preached. We still believe in the lostness of man. And uh, Pastor Sidney said it so well. What is it, 177 die a minute? Was that right? Something like that. You know, I was a teenager in a Methodist church, and uh, we got a new pastor in because the first one died. And uh, his first sermon, you know, he'd just come fresh out of seminary, and uh, people didn't like him because he walked out on the platform and he wore a robe. That didn't go over in the Methodist church, but he had a robe, and oh my God, he read from the NIV. That was just about enough to get rid of him. Later, he moved the piano, and so they, they did. They got rid of him. Uh, true story. 
But I still remember his first sermon. Still remember his first sermon. He said, he said, I have three points. First point is, and I don't know what the statistic was he gave at that time, but let's say 177 people are going to die every minute and go to hell. That's point number one. Point number two, he gave a different statistic, but that's the gist. Point number two, you don't give a damn. Point number three, point number two bothered you more than point number one. I, I still remember that sermon. Yeah, it bothered me. <laughs> be careful, you're not going to be allowed to sit on the front row anymore. <laughs> hey, well, welcome. Glory to God. Have we been having a great time or what? Amen. I wanted to make sure we have an opportunity. We got, we got a special guest row back there. Praise the Lord. We, we got uh, Gary and Gwen uh, uh, Bailey uh, with us. Gary Bailey is an evangelist of God. I don't know how long we've known each other, but he's been faithfully preaching the uncompromising gospel year after year after year. And I salute you, my friend. Praise the Lord. He, he, we've had him up under the tent and back in the backwoods and getting people saved. I think Gary baptized Benjamin, actually, when Ben was about 12 years old. And uh, we had a whole slew. Remember that? We had a whole slew of uh, young people from Pittsburgh that were teenage rapists that came in. And a whole bunch of them got saved. And uh, God bless you, sir. Hallelujah. Let's give him a hand. Glory to God. Him and Gwen have been serving Jesus. And, uh, and then, then my old sidekick, David, is there. He's uh, probably going to speak Russian before the service is over. Hallelujah. David and Barb have been pastoring in Harrisburg how many years now? Over 40, yeah. After 40, you quit counting, I guess. <laughs> Praise God. I don't know about the statistics, but the last I read, if a pastor made it three years, he was above average. So glory to God, he's definitely an above average pastor. Thank you for coming. We love both of you, David and Barb. Give them a hand clap. Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, I know we, we uh, last, I wanted to do introductions last night because we've got a lot of new folks with us we've got the whole Colorado crew and whatnot and we just want everybody to know everybody and it's sort of like having a baby you want to introduce the baby to aunt so-and-so and grandma and grandpa and all that and the baby gets kissed and all that good stuff passed around and uh, sometimes we need to do that because people don't know who anybody is right and uh, so I thought last night we were going to do it but then the Holy Spirit decided to do something else and we're always going to allow that to happen. Amen. But, but uh, I think you all know my wife, Terry. She's the pretty one up here on the front row. And uh, praise God. Well, Brian looks pretty too, but we won't say anything about that. Brian and Beth Wills are with us from uh, Richmond, Virginia. Amen. Stand up. Come on. They got to see you. Amen. Now, Brian and, and Beth were just on the the. the how do you say it? Sid Rop show? Or is it? Oh, no, it's Sid Roth show. Yeah, yeah it's a knockoff. It's the, the, the originals back here. Glory to God. And uh, actually, I was telling Sid he ought to start the new Sid Rop show. <laughs> and uh, praise the Lord. We're so glad you, you, you made it to be with us. God's been opening up Egypt to them, and there's a tremendous uh, uh, amount of things in the future, 
Uh, we were just talking over dinner, and uh, my spirit's still bubbling over some of the things that were said, and I'm expecting some great things there. And, and uh, as we go down, I think everyone knows the speakers that we have. We've got a brochure. But I did want to uh, uh, introduce the uh, board members of Church of the Word International. So I'd like all the board members to come up. So Sid and, and Jay and, and uh, Bill. And uh, where's Neil back there? And where's Alan? Is Alan here tonight? There's Alan. There's, there's Kelly. Come on up. There's uh, Pat. Come on up here. You Don't be shy, dear Lord. They're not going to bite you in my wife. <laughs> No, I didn't forget you. Hallelujah. So this is the board. So these are the decision makers. So all of the problems you experience, they're the ones that are going to fix it. <laughs> Amen. And uh, what's, what's that? Yeah, if you have any problem, we'll give you, we'll give you Alan's cell number. So Terry's our, our I'm president. Terry's vice president. And uh, Alan just came on. Uh, we have a, a, a board member emeritus, in other words, he's just going to forever be on the board, but he's not with us, Matthew Allender. Matthew was with us from the founding in 1987. And just this year, we, uh, we elected uh, Allen to take his place as secretary. So quite honestly, being, being real upfront, he does most of the heavy lifting. And uh, we're appreciative of it. Now, I shouldn't say all because we've got, Pat's our treasurer. Amen. I got that right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and as we meet once a year, it takes time out of their schedule. Uh, it takes money out of their pocket to pay airfare. We usually meet in Virginia Beach. We get a, away for a little bit of time. But their investment in this ministry is real. Well, of course, we trust them. We believe in them. And, and this is our DNA. So give them a hand clap for their service. We really appreciate it. Amen. Thank you, folks. Hallelujah. Go sit down. <laughs> we also have another aspect of the ministry. People often ask me, what is Armada? Well, actually, technically, uh, Armada is a fictitious name. The organization, legally, is a corporation filed in the state of Pennsylvania in 1987. It is a 501c3 corporation, which we also filed for what's called a federal letter of exemption. Not, not every organization has that added on to it. Thank God for Matthew. But we formed Armada as a fictitious name to, to encompass our efforts in missions and in networking other churches because a lot of times in those cases they don't want to identify with, with and, and, and wave the flag of an individual church. So Armada became a description of men working together. You know, Pastor Bill, even though he's on our board, he's also a senior pastor and the president of his own corporate board. And I'm sure Brian is, 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 is on his own corporate board and Bob is on his own corporate board. Well, we, 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 Recognize all those legalities so that you can basically uh, receive money, disperse money, and buy property. Beyond that, I forget about it all because it's the kingdom of God. Amen. We serve the same Jesus. Hallelujah. And uh, so involved in all that, we also have uh, found that it was necessary to form what we call a presbytery. And a presbytery is just some men that we trust that, that have, have a proven character, proven time in ministry. And uh, we, we look to the presbytery for areas of ordination 
And we also look to the presbytery for areas where maybe somebody needs a little correction from time to time. How many of you know that's a good thing? Amen. So, you're, you know, our presbytery right now is, is myself. Come on up, guys. And, and Pastor Bill, Pastor Bob, and uh, Pat. We, we're the presbytery. I think the Lord's going to add some this year to that. But I wanted you to see the men that make really the spiritual decisions uh, when anything uh, problematic arises. And I think it's also important that we introduce you guys. So if there is a problem... In any of the areas of ministry, you can call one of these guys. No, and I'm, I'm completely serious about that. You, you can call them, and uh, you're not going over anybody's head. They might tell you to shut up, but that, that'll be all right. Amen? But we're, we're not, <laughs> not going to leave any holes in the fence for the devil to get through and to destroy churches and relationships in the kingdom of God. Amen. And we've already had enough experience that uh, I thank God for the presbytery. Amen? Thank you, gentlemen, for serving because it's a lot of time and a lot of effort. Bless you. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Well, we're going to, uh, we want to uh, uh, dismiss the preschool and the elementary class. All the children, they can go. I guess maybe we should have done that earlier. Is that it? I guess they already left. Praise the Lord. That's that spirit of the president come upon me. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> it's a bad joke. Never, anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> praise, praise God. Praise God. Open your Bible with me to, to Proverbs. We want to receive an offering this evening for, the, uh, for Armada and for the expenses of the conference. And uh, we appreciate your faithfulness to give. We're so blessed. I'm still giggling over last night. I had so much fun last night. I like to bless. And I believe it was a real bullseye on the target. I mean, the devil's still running after last night. And I'm looking forward to see what God does in the Middle East. Where is our precious family? Praise the Lord. God bless you guys. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, here in Proverbs chapter 3, it tells us, Verse 9, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty. And by the end of the month, you ought to just barely get by. No, 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 no. See, see how many of you know God wants to meet all of our needs? Isn't that wonderful? You know, sometimes people focus so much on the, and have an abundance mentality. And I think that's good. But I think it's even more important that we have a supply mentality. We're tied up to an ever-ending supply. Our God is faithful, isn't he? Amen. So we've got ushers in the aisle if, as you're giving. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. We've got the handsome ushers tonight. And uh, amen. If you're making out a check, make it out to Armada, A-R-M-A-D-A. God bless you in your giving. Praise God. So we'll give you a minute, and then we'll pray over that. People have asked me, so what is the Armada? When did it begin? How did it begin? Why did it begin? I think while we're waiting here for folks with their offering, I'll share a little bit. Armada began when I saw a couple ministers that had nothing to do with our ministry help us. It was in the earlier time, back in the early 90s, I was 
had been sent back then to go into the former Soviet Union. And we'd preached throughout Ukraine and had some amazing meetings, particularly in a city called Mariupol. Uh, back in the 90s, there was a church in Mariupol that had over a thousand believers. And uh, it, it was going amazing. But at the same time, as we went in there and ministered, they ended up encountering conflict in the church, pastoral problems. And uh, how many of you know the flesh is universal? And they got into some problems that they, they didn't have the maturity level or leadership level to handle. So here I am in Pennsylvania and I get this fax. How many of you remember the days of faxes? And uh, boy, that, well, I was so excited about faxes because they were so cool and they were so technologically advanced. I mean, you could put a piece of paper in a machine and, and leave it all night while it would try 70 times. And maybe in the morning when you got back, it actually worked. Those, those was the days of high technology. Well, we got this fax from them that the, they're, they basically had uh, lost their pastor. And, and would we come and help them to uh, ordain a new pastor and bring stability to this church that was, was falling apart? And I looked at it this moment. I, I didn't have the money to go. Flat out. Nor did I have the time because I had prior commitments. And it just, it just tore me up. Because I wanted to be in two places at once. You ever want to be in two places at once? You ever want to minister more than your capacity to minister? And, I, and, I, and, it, and it really tore me up. Well, at the same time, I had a guest speaker in the church at that time. And he saw me, and it moved him. And he said, he said Pastor, send me. Well, he wasn't from my church. There wasn't anything in it for him. I said, uh, well, I don't have any money to buy your ticket. He said, I got the money. He said, Pastor, send me. I said, you mean it? He said, but of course. So he got on a plane and he flew to a country he'd never been to before. At a period of time, it wasn't easy. And he went on, and he went on my behalf and he saved a church. And he brought, he brought peace to it. And, and, he, and he came back. Why did he do that? Well, because he's just like me. He's just like you. We're going to obey Jesus. Amen. And out of that, God began to show me there's something bigger than, than, than just corporate organizations and what you got on a piece of paper. That there's men and women of God who are truly called by a living Jesus who walk in the power of the Spirit. And who, if we'll get together often enough, we'll actually hear from heaven and do what heaven wants us to do. And that's really where our motto was birthed. And as, as we went, went forward with that attitude, with that type of DNA, God just started adding people. They just started popping up. You know, people of the same like mind and heart and faith. You know, they're everywhere, aren't we? Amen. And, and, and you get a hold of that and you, you realize you're not in it for what's in it for me. You're in it for what's in it for Jesus. All of a sudden I looked around and there was almost a dozen of us. And, and there was no organization, and there was no name. There was just passion. And when there was about a dozen of us, the Lord started dealing with me, and, and I knew we needed to give it a name so we knew what we were hooking up to. We didn't give it a name so we could attract flies. There wasn't any f fancy flash-in-the-pan advertising. It was just so we could communicate. So I, we just, I, I, didn't, I don't even think I named it. I think that fella called it the Armada. And it stuck. 
And that's what we are. Amen. So now we've gotten bigger. To it's After a few years, we got to a place where people said, well, how do I join the Armada? Well, I figured I'd better make up some rules, so we kept it secret. <laughs> so the only way in the beginning, the only way you could join the Armada is if somebody invited you. I mean, I, we had, a, we had a, a minister come one time. We took him out to dinner, and he'd been there for a whole week like this. And we were out at dinner. I forget who was on the other side. Maybe it was Bob. I forget. But he was sitting to my left. And he said to me, Pastor, he said, he said, I'm just going to be honest. I've been to your website. I've ever read every word on your website. I picked up every brochure in the church. I've read everything I can on the Armada. And I, I can't figure out anywhere, how do I join? And at the same time, I put my arm around his shoulders. The other fellow put his arm around his shoulders. Was it you, Bob? I don't remember. I thought it was. And we both just smiled at him because the secret was you had to have two existing members invite you. We didn't tell anybody how to join. Why? Because I didn't want any. I didn't want to create something that didn't have substance. I wanted family. I want family. Amen. And I know I can trust him. I know I can trust him. You know, I might have fought with my brothers when I grew up, but they're a family. Hello? I mean, we might even go out in the yard and have a fist fight, but we're going to make up when we're done fighting. We're not going to run away. Amen? And uh, I remember Bill, he took me to India and shared one of his lifelong relationships with me, Israel Jebaraj, amazing pastor in Israel. And, and I remember we were up in some place where they were killing people, and uh, we, we were preaching the gospel to people that didn't even have an alphabet. And one night, uh, Bill says to me, he says, Pastor, uh, do you think we should invite Israel to become a, a member of Armada? Well, I'd been with him for some days seeing him ministering and I saw the fruit of his ministry and I I said yeah I do I think he's of our heart of our spirit uh, if you th- if you believe so let's let's invite him and this was back in the secret days and then uh, and Bill says now you know well that, let's invite him tomorrow but I want to warn you Pastor Dale he says uh, uh, Israel is is a, a man of prayer I, 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 I won't be surprised if he doesn't give us an answer for months you know, if we ask him, that'll be one thing, but he's going to take it to God. And it's going to, you know, so don't be upset if he doesn't give an answer. So we sat down with him the next day and, and Bill shared things with him and invited him to become a member of Armada. And Israel looked at me and said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you know why? Because he saw family too. Turn around to your neighbor and punch him and say, I like family. I'm a, you part of this family? Amen. We're family. Hey, don't punch that hard. (laughs) We're going to have to separate you kids in the back. (laughs) So let's pray over this offering. That's that's what our motto is. Praise the Lord. Father, we bless you for the opportunity and the privilege to sow into the kingdom of God. I just agree with my family right now. All the needs of this conference are met every bill is paid all the foods paid for all the all the provisions are, are are there we thank you lord for increase for abundance we are blessed and we praise you for it in jesus name amen amen the ushers may wait upon the people and the people will be obedient unto the lord amen so then as armada grew we we had formal membership then we started armada commission our Bible school, and we decided that if you went through the Armada Commission, you could become an Armada member that way. 
And then Kelly, who runs our LTS. Where's Kelly? There's Kelly. Stand up, Kelly. Kelly is our administrator for the leadership training school. What a, she works and works and works and works. So many students in several different places now. I know Pat has a, a tremendous uh, school in their church. We've got some beautiful, beautiful, wonderful people who graduated through six semesters of school. And uh, so Kelly came, and, uh, and uh, I think Brian at that time, the two of them came to me. Where's Brian at? There's Brian. And uh, they came to me and said, uh, is there any way we could get these LTS students into Armada membership? And we, we sat there and I said, well, I didn't really want to change the rules, but you can always be uh, sort of like a Ukrainian and, and make the rules work for you. <laughs> Don't screw your face up like that. <laughs> so they said, well, what do you mean? Well, all you got to do is have two existing members invite you in. So we've got that, so we can make sure every LTS graduate becomes a member using the rules. And so that's what we do. Glory to God. So we made it work without changing the rules. Amen. That's the Ukrainian way. <laughs> I've been there long enough to know. <laughs> Amen. Well, now we're praying about where God's taking Armada because I see it even growing to another level. And uh, I've been pressed in my spirit for about nine months to see where, where the Lord will take us as an organization. And now we've, we're seeing the, the church in Colorado sprouting up and prospering. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, I, hear the, I hear the sound of rain. I feel the harvest is coming. Amen. It's exciting. I know. I, I think Alex shared with me, he said, it's like walking down a street and, and, and you're coming to the, the corner. So you can't see what's down that road. But everything else is clear. You're just coming to that corner. So we're going to turn and we're going to see it. And uh, I've been cautious in my spirit about what I say publicly. I've been talking to a few of you here and there. God's getting ready to break loose. Amen. 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 Well, let's get into the Word of God tonight. 